Jordan. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Doing all right. How are you? Not so bad. Not so bad. Not, not so you. bad. Not so good. <laughs> is your glass no, half full or so is your glass ha- so half good. empty? What's that? Is your glass half full or is, is it half empty? Um, it's I'm going to analyze half. you. <laughs> Go for it. It'd be a good how change was, of pace. How was your week? Uh, my week was okay. My week was consumed by the pursuit of gadgets as a form of trying to gain some sort of control or something like that with my life. So, Oh, shit. You and me both, man. <laughs> what are you looking at? So I, I've had this realization that we're probably not going anywhere for a while. <laughs> nah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just this hunch I have. Um, so I've been debating building uh, a gaming rig for a while, like a, like a PC gaming rig, mm. and then doing like a whole chair setup with the steering wheel and pedals like like good stuff mm-hmm. not just like the crap you know from target to play gran turismo right. or whatever so a friend of a friend is selling some really nice stuff for you know really heavy discount and it's like the stars are kind of aligning on that and since we're not you know it's like there's no real reason to suspect i'm going to be able to go to the actual track anytime soon so i figured <laughs> this would be a cool way to brush up on my driving skills so i've been starting down that rabbit hole and it's like Jesus, I've never built a PC from scratch before, and I'm having to learn um, how to do that. And luckily, there are a lot of sites that help you with that. But yeah, it's been an interesting journey. (laughs) So you're going to build the cost of a car to race, (laughs) to to have a race simulator? No, it's not nearly that shit. I mean, it's less than a set of tires probably all in. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a good set of tires. (laughs) I, I've seen some setups, man. Because I, the same thing that you're looking at, I was look. I don't know how I got sucked into this rabbit hole. I started getting YouTube um, suggestions for watching simulations, like simulated driving, and then I was like, wait a minute, I, I want to do that. And then some of the sets I was looking at were like just for the seat, like two thousand dollars. Oh hell no, no, I'm not. Okay. Gonna, I mean, it's like anything; you can spend as much as you sure. want. But I'm trying to keep it, you know there's a point of diminishing returns with all that stuff. And it's like, right. do I need it to like have, you know, three axis, uh, like jo- moving you around and shit. No, it's fine. If it just sits still and has a solid mount for a steering wheel. So what if you really get into it and then you're disappointed? Then we'll cross that bridge when I get to it. But for right now, it's probably not the best time to be spending uh, huge amounts of money on going off the deep end on something, but yeah, it should be cool. I, we have like a room that's just kind of storage and stuff. So I think, you know, it'll be nice to just set that up and be able to have something to do, get hone, hone my skills. That's like the only place you're going to be now. They're going to see your work falling off. All right. I'm going to be like a Twitch streamer for, <laughs> for my living now. I don't even know what Twitch is, but I think that's the thing. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. I hear kids talk about it. Some kids that I see, but I have no concept. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a streaming service, I guess. Right. Right. So what is the tech, what is the gadget uh, rabbit hole that you're going down? The gadget rabbit hole started out with looking for computers, obviously, because now we're doing you know um, teleconferencing all day long and just being mm. able to get something where I can teleconference, I can have files on there, I can exchange files with billing and everybody that needs. It. So it started out really practical, and then it ended up with you know gandering through Amazon, looking at binoculars dude the weirdest the weirdest stuff so i've been trying to tailor it (laughs) you never know man (laughs) like for what bird watching like what do you do it's you know i can look around out here sometimes there's animals i found a coyote den there's exciting things oh shit Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's cool. But it's not. It's the same problem that I feel like you and I both have with stuff. It's not just initially. It was like, oh, I need some magnification, and then it turned into ah, two thousand dollars worth. <laughs> it's like what I need to be doing? able to read a newspaper on the right. moon. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So I was like, all right, man, you're going way too far here. This is ridiculous. Yeah, that's one thing I found myself getting better with that in in as i get older where i i start to like find the line pretty quickly where i'm like okay i know what's going to happen i know that you know certain things like th- this racing thing yeah i'll i'm sure i'll use this for years to come but there are certain things where i'm like i'm going to pick up you know playing guitar again and then suddenly <laughs> i've got like a two thousand dollar like les paul in my shopping cart i'm like okay i know what's going to happen i'm going to play with it real a lot for like three weeks and then it's going to taper off and then i'll you know i'll do it for years but it's not going to be like i'm not going to become Stevie Ray Vaughan or anything. So <laughs> I find the line quicker now and, and try to bring it back, find good value. You know, you were talking about it in a previous episode, how you put things in your shopping cart. You were uh-huh. looking at, I forgot what you were, what you were trying oh, to Oh, the model. Yeah, the model. Yes, yes, yes. Stuff, yeah. My sister taught me that in physical, form, like in person, but this was like 10 years ago. Like when I would be impulsive at a store, she'd be like, just put it in your cart, drive it around the store, <laughs> see if you still oh, want that. it. I do that all the time, like, or or I actually buy it, but I don't take the tags. Like, I I buy like you know some. Uh, I was telling you about that leather jacket a few uh, like months ago. Yeah, Whereas yeah. like I bought it and I really liked it, but then after a few days, I was like, dude, like I'm gonna wear this like once a quarter, and I don't really need it. And then I just return. Like I do that shit all the time, or with Amazon because you can impulse buy and you can impulse return. You know. Right. Right. Oh, I got jackets, boy. I got ja- <laughs> I got all kinds of jackets. <laughs> We're going to have to retire like five years later because <laughs> right, right, right. of the stupid shit that we buy. <laughs> uh, what else is new other than what? what's your, you got a good quarantine tales? <sighs> nah, man. The best quarantine tales is within the gadget purchases. I think I mentioned this uh, previously too. I bought some damn Nerf guns. So the, there have been good Nerf battles that are pretty yeah, you Exciting. said so that these things shoot hard enough. <laughs> they're, they're like, like paintballs, man. I get sketched out. You hear them zipping past your face when they go. So it's exciting. I don't know if I'm into that. <laughs> it's exciting, man. I guess you you got to have a little fear. Otherwise, it's not right. a very compelling dark gunfight, right? Right, 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 right. Hmm. The first time I played paintball, I thought I was Rambo until I got shot. Like I was just like charging everything. And then I got lit up and then I was hiding. And then the game had a whole different... <laughs> <laughs> the game had something different after that. Oh, so yeah. this is kind of like that. You get a little stinger if you uh if you're if you're um too excited, if you're too impulsive when you're playing around. I haven't, haven't been playing any dart dart gunning uh this <laughs> end, but you should, if you listen man, you don't have kids. You don't have a good excuse for dart gunning. Oh, trust me. <laughs> if I saw I'm you a, doing it, I think yeah. you're off. Right? Then this gaming rig would have turned into a whole different thing. <laughs> uh yeah. I don't know, quarantine, quarantine stuff. Dude, it's so weird going to the grocery store now and stuff where I don't know if, if it's like this in Michigan, but here they're like limiting the number of people that could go into the stores yeah. and everybody's like socially distancing in the line. So you, you roll up to the grocery store and there's like just this huge, but real, like really strewn out line of people across the whole parking lot. And it moves pretty quickly, but it's just a very bizarre new normal right. sort of watching everybody with masks and gloves and staying away from each other it's kind of nice though because the grocery store there's far fewer people inside so you're like oh this is i don't have anybody like ramming me down with their shopping cart it's kind of silver lining to it right i mean yeah they have something they have similar 
I know some of the stores have a similar setup. I don't know if they're all that way. I mostly just call them in and have them dropped off. And I've been buying stuff from a lot of local places. Mm. Yeah, but I don't know. People are, it seems like for the most part in that area, being good about it, being compliant about it. You never uh, answered my text when I was asking if you thought that there would be more serial killers after this whole thing because everybody is walking around anonymous with masks. I still think there's more violence. I think there's more violence. I'm seeing anecdotally uh, like there are uh, on next door and you know just across social media and stuff i'm seeing people show up uh in in purporting to be like coronavirus testers and things like mm. that and they have their masks on and they're like hey we can come in and test you and then they just once they get in the house they rob people um no kidding. but yeah that's why i was thinking like what a perfect time uh i don't know this is terrible that somehow this popped into my mind but like you know just when, when you think about like how anonymous people are right now i, I wondered if you're gonna see once the dust settles from this whole thing and they can study things if they'll be like oh wow there were there were a handful of serial killers active during that time frame i'm obviously i'm not a serial killer expert um but from what i <laughs> no but i did uh i learned how to do personality testing on um people who were being watched for um I don't know the specific, I think it's NGRI, which is not guilty for reasons of insanity. So I would look at their testing protocols and that's how I learned how to do psychological testing. But, uh, from what I know this could just be hearsay, but I believe that I heard somewhere. So look this up, whoever's listening (laughs) that, uh, there's a large appeal for the serial killer to get the details out and for people to recognize it. Um, it's part of the, the interest or the gratification of, of the killing. So I don't know. I guess it would depend on that. The killing is happening. Not that it's them. Well, that the killing is happening and they want a lot of publicity for the killing happening. So it's like they get interested in the killing, but then they get interested in other people knowing about the killing. Um, so if the media is flooded with, which it should be, um, information regarding a pandemic maybe it's mm. not going to put their thing at the top of the pile so i don't know if it would be the most opportune <laughs> maybe if you serial killers listen uh hold off wait until uh um, just give it know, some time right wait until there's <laughs> nothing good in the news and then you know let your wait, dark urges out wait until trump stops telling everybody to inject lysol uh, <laughs> and, and mainline yeah. lysol and clorox and then uh it's a hard one i feel bad for the guy i feel very bad for the guy you feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for him because I don't think he recognized that this was more than people liking you to run a country. And I think with a pandemic, there's no scapegoating. He's tried really, really as best as he can to scapegoat it. But uh, it seems like with a pandemic, there's just we are all in this problem. And we're all looking to answers from you as you are the figurehead, which obviously other people are, you know, whatever, making the decisions or aiding in the decisions. But watching this guy unravel because he can't say a, a thing that gives him likes or, I don't know, g- give good media. Uh, I really feel like this guy's losing it with this kind of responsibility on him. And I, it, I wouldn't <laughs> I, clearly I wouldn't want to be responsible or whatever. I'm, I'm, that would, oh yeah i mean that's one thing that's become super clear to me throughout this whole thing is that i wouldn't want to have to be making any decisions right now at that kind of not not just at his level but at the level of even local government it's just there is no right answer here and 
you know, that's I mean, the protests this week are a great example of that, where right. we're just seeing people on both sides that are like, we want to go, you know, we want to, we want to be outside. We want to be in our boats and we want to go back to work. And then the other side's like, Jesus Christ, like stop running around with your AR 15s and just cool down for a minute. Like we get that it sucks, but it's, it's like, there is literally no right decision here other right. than I guess the one that results in like the lowest loss of life. But uh, either way, I mean, at least in normal life, usually there's kind of a decision that's very clearly, at least in hindsight, uh, maybe the better of the two. And in this case, I think even once we have the hindsight, we won't know that it was that these were the right decisions, right? Because best case scenario, things are less bad. They're not going to be good. We know that. Um, and I think that that's, yeah, it's, it's challenging. And I feel for everybody, uh, who's, who's in those situations right now to have to make these decisions. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is like, right. When you and I were trying to figure out what to talk about, it kept coming back to, you know, well, the obvious is that there are many perspectives, but then the the secondary part that stemmed from you and I having a conversation about um, the protests and things like that, right? So the difficulty of, of compliance, right? Like why as humans do we have a difficulty with, with being compliant to a structure? So in this case, obviously the compliance having to do with you know, uh, sheltering in place or quarantining or whatever you want to call it in whatever area you're, you know, you're practicing this. Um, but yeah, we've, we've obviously seen, um, a lot of people having a really different, including myself too, by the way, um, not compliant in the same way that's been, you know, like we all or for myself, I can't say we all, uh, make little concessions or justifications for why, like for me, why I'm doing what I'm doing. I mentioned to you, I've gone for a few drives, you know, which I don't feel like is some mortal thing, but that's the whole thing. Like we just kind of make these justifications or I do at least. Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious to pick your brain about why we have difficulty complying, uh, specific to, you know, what's going on, but then also more broadly, what's the deal? Why can't we just follow, you know, what, what is said to be best for us? Right. I mean, it's tough because I think I, I tend as I think we all do to focus on the opposition, whoever that mm. may be, and then also like the worst part of the opposition. So as I'm watching these protests, um, you know, I'm watching the ones in Lansing, Michigan, because from Michigan, everybody I know for the better part is is in Michigan. So it's it's obviously more relevant to me contextually. And then seeing these people showing up, gridlocking intersections, you know, blocking emergency workers from getting, you know, uh, ambulances through to the hospitals, um, showing up with assault rifles. It's like, okay, you know, I under, while I empathize with wanting to get back to work, with wanting things to return to normal, um, I don't, I mean, they're just not going to right now, right? That's that's just not an option. It's not like a nice to have. It's a, it's a the decision has been made and, and I think for the right reasons. Um, it's the least wrong decision, I think, with the information that we have at this point. Um, and so when I see people showing up with uh, guns and rallying like this, it, which just seems completely, I get that it's, it's uh, to protest the stripping away of rights, which I think it's also funny. Everybody's referring to this as God-given rights, which uh, hmm. I, I keep imagining like God being there um, when John Hancock was signing the Constitution. <laughs> but 
Yeah, it's just it's frustrating because I, I don't I don't understand the connection between some of the things that they're doing, you know, showing up in big trucks and, and blowing diesel all over like everybody as like a form of protest or showing up with guns as a form of protest. It's like these have nothing to do with what the actual problem is. And the actual problem is a, is a virus. And then you see these people are wearing masks, too, in some cases, which I, I think I also find is hilarious. It's like so you don't deny that there's a problem. You just don't want the reaction to it to be the one that we have right now. Um, and then, of course, you get into like political alignments. Like if if Governor Whitmer was a Republican, would would the decision have been made? And would people be re- reacting to it the way that they are? Because I think if we boil things down to their simplest form, it's like she's a Democrat and most of the people showing up seem to be conservatives. Um, and And I mean, that seems to be the case across the country, right? It's like states where... I think there's my observation. There's probably more to it, but good. Go well, I'm just saying, I'm saying, I think if you're to, if you're to, again, I'm stereotyping, but if you're thinking about the states that are having the big protests, they are states that either are right leaning or or maybe they're kind of centrist, but there's maybe a blue governor who has made the decision to kind of be more. Uh, actually conservative about the approach to reopening things, which is the irony of the whole thing. Mm. They want us, they want to be more careful. And I think you see the, the opposing side coming out of the woodwork to, to sort of protest that. And so it, there is a lot of politics involved in this whole thing, uh, which is unfortunate because I don't, I mean, this is just not a political issue. Um, and then also sort of the root cause of why I think people are most pissed off. Like I was seeing through reposting on Facebook, for example, uh, people from Michigan getting really upset about not being able to go out on their boat, mm-hmm. uh, not understanding why that was something that was limited. It's like, you know, I get that. I think that that's, it's frustrating. Uh, I'm going to ignore the fact that it was snowing in Michigan like a week ago. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think it's interesting that that's sort of those those recreational activities are what people are, are glomming onto as sort of a reason that their rights have been stripped away when the reality is, I mean, I don't think that it's the governor sitting in a room saying, you know what, let's not let people vote. I think it's about something more com- uh, complicated where it's it's like reduction in police force because they, they have limited resource right now and the police have to focus on policing the things that matter. Therefore, sending a, a deputy out in a boat to patrol the lake for a huge influx of boat activity is not something that makes sense. So let's not add that to the list of things that are okay. Right. It's probably some, I mean, I'm, sure. I don't know. I'm not in those meetings, but uh, <laughs> for decisions like that, where it's not that it's not going to cause a, It's not that it's going to cause a problem for the spread of the virus. It's that it's going to cause a problem for having an additional non-essential thing to police, just like, you know, they're preventing people from getting, I think home improvement supplies. I've heard people talking about that. They're not doing that here, but they are apparently doing that in Michigan. You can't, from my understanding of it, I haven't gone into those stores. I have received things from a home improvement store curbside pickup. I think what it was about was um, you can't have those sections open in the store. I don't think you're unable to sell them, but sure, I don't know. Don't know how to interpret it. And again, it's like, yeah, that sucks. And, you know, we're all sitting at home, so it'd be nice to kind of get some shit done while you have the time and while you're at your home. I mean, I know we are to some extent, like we're staring at our bedroom that is <laughs> missing a piece of furniture or something. And it's like, wow, you know, we've we really need to just wrap this shit up. But I think 
it's again, it's like, it's not essential. They're just trying to draw a line somewhere because if you don't, that becomes a problem. And so, um, fast forward to, you know, the, the protests and a lot of it, I mean, for sure, a lot of it is about being able to return to work. A lot of people are upset because they're being prohibited to return to maybe a service job or something that has high contact. And that's frustrating because now they can't pay their bills and, you know, we'll ignore, ignore that, you know, it seems like loan deference and, and, um, assistance and things are really ramping up to try to help ease that pain. But I mean, there are for sure people in a scenario right now that is not tenable where they're not taking in money and they need to pay bills. And that is terrible. Um, so faced with that, you know, I, I understand, I understand why you'd be upset and you'd want to open things back up because it's either a, you know, okay, we lower the risk or B, we guarantee that I can't, you know, whatever, feed myself, feed my family, pay my bills, keep the lights on. And that's, right. that's a shitty choice to have to make. Um, but at the end of the day, and this is what you and I were talking about, I just wonder and think about the fact that somebody else who does, who, who is supposed to be making these decisions with way more information than what we have has made this decision and has been more or less hopefully supported by legislation and, and, other decision makers at that level. Uh, why is it so hard for people to just trust that decision? It's like when it doesn't align with what they had in their mind, then they're not only going to just quietly disagree with it. They're going to show up in force and create an, an, an opposition to it to try to reverse the decision, you know? Sure. In my initial, when I was first hearing about this, I, feel like I maybe had too intellectual of, a, of an idea about it, perhaps. Not because I'm intellectual, because the idea was too intellectualized. Um, and I was thinking of it from the perspective of, huh, maybe there will be people that protest and somehow there will be a framework for how to proceed in these sort of situations that um, people are more aware of uh, so that it doesn't feel as improvised as, you know, I don't know how you would improvise this, but um, that doesn't feel as improvised. So there's, you know, a, a framework that everyone is aware of and can be able to digest ahead of time and have some sort of structure that they, you know, know what the limits are and things like that, opposed to it just getting sprung on them. Uh, the reality of what happened, though, is interesting because even, you know, like those things you mentioned, boating, landscaping, whatever it was, right? Um, there, there's something in us that, at least to me, this seems like a very different type of non-compliance where people are having like their feelings hurt, which I'm, I'm, I work in the field of feelings, so I don't want to disregard what those mean. Um, but they're having their feelings hurt. And when comparing it to in this case, and we've talked about this before, like the paths that never merge, intellect and like the head and the heart have a hard time intersecting and, and coming up with a plan with each other. But anyhow, um, their feelings seem to be hurt, their comforts seem to be taken away, and the people that are the most disconnected. So that's what I was going to, you mentioned it was a lot of conservatives. I think it's a specific demographic of people who got disconnected from work and they feel disenfranchised that seem to be kind of unifying in conservative groups and deciding that this is a constitutional issue, which I, I could see how they would kind of follow that and make that connection. But I think it's more so that they're being non-compliant in this case because uh, they're afraid and their fear is leading them to seek 
comforts like boating or gardening or, you know, just the, the kind of stuff we do for comfort instead of paying attention to uh, some of the logical things. Like you said, I don't, I mean, what is the right decision? It's like people's health or the economy, right? You can look at these both very objectively. Um, I think when it comes down to it, it sounds like the the powers have decided on a situation that felt more ethical to, you know, harm the economy at the health of the people or an attempt to, to help the people. Um, but the ones who are most stripped away from their creature comforts, like you've mentioned, you've been working a lot. I've been working not as much as I usually work, but about 80% of what I usually work. And then the other 20% is like, I have to make sure the kids get their schoolwork done and junk like that. So I'm pretty busy. You're pretty busy for the people that have no busy, no busy, um, that aren't busy, that don't have a sense of purpose anymore. And they don't have their creature comforts. It's like leading them to a place where it's not a typical sort of non-compliance. It's like a very emotional, I don't want to minimize it, but like tantrum like reaction. That's really separating people from, um, the reality of the situation. And on top of that, like you mentioned, the figurehead that we have when we're all looking for comfort, we look to mom or dad. And if mom or dad is kind of spinning out, it's not so good for us either. <laughs> it's not so good for us. And I, when I say mom and dad, I mean uh, some of the powers that be that you see on TV every night <laughs> that have mm. really high ratings. Are, are really spinning out and it doesn't make us feel any more comfortable. If I can't have my boat and I can't have my garden and I can't have my golf and my dad's not giving me a clear message here. And I, and I think that's really, and that's, uh, what's I on. think, yeah, it's super reasonable in terms of those dots, like connecting those dots doesn't bother me as much. And I think like, I guess it is, it is to your reference of like a tantrum, like reaction. It's that, that I have a problem with. And I question, and it's this idea that like there's an inference that because these decisions have been made to lock things down, to take precautions, and not just to make them optional, which by the way, if they were optional, almost no one would adhere to the guidelines, right? I mean, we know that. Um, sure. I think it, it, the inference that this is somehow intentional as a way of taking away rights, like that government is seizing the opportunity to restrict you know, your gun rights, for example, like I've, I've seen that popping up where it's like, they're, they're, this is all. And just like that, they stopped us from assembling and they, they stopped <laughs> us from having our guns. And it's like <laughs> the thought that this is somehow a conspiracy by liberals to take your guns away as again, as somebody who's into guns, I just find hilarious and insane. You know, I, I think that that's it's, it's like we're doing the best we can with the information that we have. People are sitting around studying this information and making a decision. Yes, the conclusion and the, and the reaction and the path forward sucks. Yes, it's easy for you and I to say because we're still employed and we're still working. Um, but the alternative is we don't have any restrictions in place. We open things up and somebody you love dies. I mean, I think that that's kind of the alternative that you have to ask yourself. And if you're okay with that, then it's a more fundamental question, which is like, then do we just put the power in the individuals to make the decision on whether or not they want to open themselves up for risk and open their loved ones up to risk? Um, and, you know, yeah, sure. If I want to stay home and, and stop the spread or prevent exposure to myself, can I do that? And can we make that decision? And we'll just reevaluate later, I guess. Um, there's a, there's an argument to be had there, I suppose. It, it all but guarantees that 
the resulting deaths would climb. But we do, we make decisions like that all the time. I mean, there are laws that we pass where it's like, we know, you know, you can elect not to ride a motorcycle, or I'm sorry, you can elect to ride a motorcycle without wearing a helmet in some states. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that is a decision that leads to a greater loss of life, but it's your decision, right? That's a little bit more one-to-one in terms of who it affects, right? Um, you know, you're, you're not, it's not by like you not wearing a helmet that, uh, maybe grandma's going to die as a result. This feels comparable to secondhand smoke to me. But secondhand smoke is a great example, right? So it's like, uh, we've and we've cracked down on that, right? I mean, it's it's like smoking in public, really, uh, other than in a handful of places that I can think of, like Vegas, um, <laughs> you don't come across that anymore in, in restaurants. Um, and that that has taken how long i mean it, like that's been we've known about the dangers of that for decades right, and it wasn't until what past 10 years that that really we saw the arguments with that too so i don't know if you smoke anymore i i you, you and i used to smoke together um i don't smoke oh anymore. yeah like briefly in <laughs> like, like <laughs> high school days yeah yeah so no i, I smoked for a long time man i smoked you from did? like 18 to like 28 i think so like that's why you got that that let that rich voice right (laughs) that's why it's there yeah that's what you should do kids um right so i smoked for about 10 years but for me that argument of don't smoke indoors um i was cool with it but obviously other people were not and they felt like their their rights were being violated right or not not rights in the constitutional sense or whatever but they felt like someone was telling them what to do and with that too the reason why that one popped in my head was smoking is a soothing activity and people were having difficulty because their soothing activity was being you know whatever from their perspective taken away from them right so i think everyone would agree that i'm it'd be pretty hard for i don't know for for me to really be really believe you if you interpreted the data and you looked at it and you said, ah, I don't know, it's not conclusive, right? It'd be pretty hard for me to believe that you're being honest if you read the data and you told me that you don't believe that uh, there are consequences to smoking. But because it's taking away from your soothing activity, um, suddenly there's some sort of psychological defense or like psychological issue where you're not necessarily paying attention to the head anymore. It's like the heart wants what it wants and it wants to smoke and you're trying to stop me from smoking. So therefore I'm going to feel violated and want to, you know, going to be non-compliant. It, it, it feels like a very different type of, you know, like these, these protests feel very different. I feel like there's room for protest. I, I genuinely believe that there's a lot of room to be protesting at this time. I'm compliant um, because, you know, to be fair, it's it's not, it really hasn't treaded on my life that much aside from I can't, you know, go out. So maybe I would feel differently. However, um, as someone that's, you know, like compliant, it's not interfering with my soothing ability or whatever you want to call it. But maybe if I was on the other end and I didn't have work and I couldn't soothe, then maybe I would want to, you know, go ahead and protest. But as someone that, even as someone who's, you know, whatever, life hasn't been altered, I guess, as much as some of those people, I feel like there is room for protest as far as, hey, can we figure out a framework? Could we be prepared for stuff? Like those sort of things I feel like are fair, but because those are not the things that people are protesting, to me, it does feel like this noncompliance is coming from a place of um, 
a lot of people, you know, like they are afraid that their toys are going to get taken away, basically. Well, and that's, I guess, another interesting point or something that brings up a part of what I've been thinking about is the things that I'm mad about are like, why, why weren't we prepared for this? Why? Mm. And, and again, I don't, it's not like I saw it coming or you saw it coming, but we're not in a position to have seen it coming. Like I, I don't sit around studying this shit, but there are people who do. And those people recommended to, you know, our, our leaders time and time again. I mean, from the sounds of it, that's what we're hearing now where they're like, we don't have enough masks. Mm. We don't have enough respirators. We are in a position of weakness. If something like SARS or worse were to come back. I mean, they've, they've been saying that uh, or hearing reports of that where it, this, this was, there was a powder keg scenario and it was just waiting for something like this to happen. And no, we're not to the point where millions have died, but it's like, I think where I'm, where there has been a light shined is, is that we have very little preparation for something like this. Meanwhile, we spend just huge amounts of money on our military mm. for, for a conflict that's likely never going to come. Right. Like we're, I think the, the physical wars of, of days past, although, you know, Kim Jong-un just kicked the bucket maybe last night. So we'll see if World Did War III starts. I thought, okay, I didn't, uh, I didn't see it's that. It's back I know and he's forth, having but... some kind of heart surgery or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Apparently his sister is the heir apparent and yeah. she's potentially crazier than he was. So that'll be, you know, that's, that'll be how 2020 ends. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I guess it's a cure to a virus. Right. So maybe, maybe we will need that military. Uh, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> You know, we have we, we have no problem stockpiling all this other shit. I think because it's cool, right? Like everybody, like the military employs a ton of people. That's good, I guess. But then also in terms of like having the biggest, best tanks, jets, aircraft carriers, whatever, battleships, that's a tangible thing that we can point at and, you know, line our dicks up with everybody else's and be like, ah. Mm. But like having a bunch of like N95 masks in a warehouse in every city isn't as fun. So... I mean, I, like, from my standpoint, I, I feel like that's why we spend, we tend to spend less on that kind of shit, even sure. though it's very practical and very cheap uh, right, right. relative. It's not as interesting, I think, to the taxpayers, perhaps. And therefore, sure. it's not as interesting to leadership. Um, maybe they'll rethink that now because we have the sign site. Uh, but that's the kind of stuff where that's where I'm getting a little upset. It's like these people have been suggesting that we prepare more for something like this. And meanwhile, we're the one of the wealthiest countries in the world and we have such a, a low tax basis and we spend the money on such stupid shit and we have so few hospital beds we talked about this in the quarantine episode that it's spreading rampant here where other countries have been able to quickly mitigate and and lower uh, lower the risk and flatten the the curve we're still ramping up i mean things have sort of maybe plateaued from a nationwide perspective. It's been a couple of days since I looked at the data. I know that some of the states have changed the methodology. I know New York added a bunch of cases that were like presumed to be deaths from mm. COVID-19, but um, I, I mean, it's for sure not over here. Whereas other places right. it's, it has, things have started to return to some level of normalcy here. I don't think we've been prepared and that's what I'm upset about. Um, not about, that this is like a conspiracy to limit my rights. I, I, I like that's never occurred to me. And then beyond that, since the the mandate has sort of been handed down, 
I'm going to try to adhere to it as closely as possible. Sure, maybe sometimes you go for a drive or something. You're not putting anybody at risk at that point. Um, but these people that are like going to beaches and doing things that are either in direct defiance, like showing up and protesting with a thousand other people, some of them without masks, it's like, whoa, are we going to see in a big spike in cases because you just exposed yourself to a bunch I, of other people? I'm I mean, worried about that. Yeah, You know, and that's that's frustrating to watch. The, the see, my I, I feel like it's complicated because all right. So like you mentioned, going for drives doesn't put anyone at risk, right? Mm-hmm. But kind of like the boating scenario, if I go on a drive, then there has to be more patrols. If everyone goes on a drive, then there have to be more police that do patrols. I ordered Nerf guns and a bunch of bullshit. Someone had to package them. Someone had to ship them. Um, and these these things that I'm doing you know, like going for drives, buying Nerf guns, they're all pleasure objects. It's all, all right. soothing. So it's its hard to say because I feel like I have to be honest w- with myself about it because this noncompliance from my perspective has a lot to do with soothing objects being taken away. Is there a potential that I would also be reacting that way should I not have um, the same sort of structure, the same sort of access to soothing objects, because even I, like you know, I've been non. Ordering Nerf guns is not <laughs> an essential item, and a you know, it, or me driving around but is not, yeah. Go ahead. Even that though, that's a good example though. So, in the case of the Nerf guns, should you just have been outright prohibited from ordering them? Because like, I mean, from my standpoint, it's like if it's truly non-essential or if it's truly something that's like adding to the risk. If there were cases of people contracting COVID-19 from like Amazon boxes, then it's, I would imagine that there's a simple conclusion, which is like the government should then restrict to absolute only essential items. Like you can only order food, personal care items, whatever. Dart guns obviously don't fall Hmm. into those categories. So restrict access to it. Like a decision would be made. The fact that you can do it to me is confirmation that it's probably okay. Just like driving your car, like, it's hard. You can't judge motive when somebody's in a car unless they pull you over and question you, which I've heard is happening in some places. Yeah. Um, that that's one where it's like, okay, maybe you're pulling a fast one by going for like a recreational drive, and it's right. not essential. You're not going for like an hour drive to the grocery store. You're just blowing off some steam, enjoying your car, enjoying the weather, whatever. Yes, I guess you're increasing the need for additional patrols or whatever. In the grand scheme of things, though. I find that much less egregious than a lot of the shit that's going on. It, especially since if you fly off the road and hit a tree, someone's going to have to come scrape you off that tree and that sideline them for a little bit. But that's not as bad as exposing, you know, a thousand other people at a, a beach in Miami. You know right. I mean? The slippery slope with it though, is that it's a change in attitude. So I have an attitude change because I can't drive or I can't just go to the store. This is how pathetic my life is. (laughs) I like to go to Target every Friday night or Saturday. It's Friday or Saturday. Target's like just lit on Fridays, no? Dude, I I can't not go to Target, man. I just, it's hard, right? What's your favorite part about Target? Like, why do you go? All of it. Just the whole experience of going to Target. Of just going in there. There's a Starbucks right there. I get to see things that are interesting. Target, get get at us with sponsor, yo. (laughs) I would love that. Uh, Just, yeah, I'd I'd be totally cool with that. Um, I don't know, man. I just like it. It it hits all the little pieces. I go through there. I could like window shop. I 
do buy some things. I see some people. I can make fun of some people in my own head and think like, ooh, you're weird. And then I just go back to my life and I feel really good about myself because I bought some stuff and I'm excited and I had a coffee and I made fun of people. But that's not available to me. So I found a new way to create this. I buy stuff from whatever, Target or Target Online or wherever I'm getting things from, right? So it's a slippery slope for me because it's more of an attitude shift, right? So my my non-compliance may seem different than someone else's non-compliance, but at the core of it, I'm longing for my soothing object. So just by chance, my soothing object perhaps doesn't affect as many people again, by chance, because there's a whole logistical network that I don't even know how that works. That shit blows my mind that I could be affecting so many people. But uh, my soothing object seems to fall within the arbitrary lines of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. If those things went away and I was feeling disconnected from work and everything like that, would I be one of those people that's having, you know, that's justifying a protest out of something that's not rational? You know, because, again, I think if we sat those people down under conditions that weren't these where they were feeling, you know, desperate, scared, you know, all of the above, I don't think that they would feel the same way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we get it to the core of given all the exact same situations and scenarios and environments, like, wouldn't we all reach the same conclusions as one another? Yeah, I think so, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you take out, obviously, like, there's some external factors like biology and whatever and, and... uh, mental conditions or whatever, but I mean, generally, I don't know. You tell me, you're the you're the professional, but given the exact same s- set of factors that contribute to the environment, wouldn't we all reach the same types of conclusions? Yeah, given like you said, subtract genetics, subtract you know some personality factors that were some combination of nature nurture. But yeah, you you take enough. Uh, gratification objects away and even the person that requires the least amount of gratification will start to lose it right outside of intellect and and i guess that's uh, you know it's that kind of stuff that i wish more people would hear which is like um let's just have an honest conversation about the fact that nobody's insane or intentionally well let me (laughs) let me qualify that it's not that you know, leadership or your neighbor who has different political views or whatever. Like, it's not that people are, I think, intentionally just malicious and shitty and trying to make a decision that fucks you over. Right. I think it's that their situation's different and they're making a situation that, or they're making a decision based on their environment that might be opposed to the one that you would make or did make or have made. Um, but... I think in the case of this opposition and the protesting, I just I keep coming back to the compliance thing and why it's so hard in these cases where again we've we've elected somebody to make the decisions for us. They've handed down these set of uh, in some case guidance, in other cases mandates, and then we're like, well, now that it doesn't align with what I thought I would want to do, I, I don't I don't agree with you anymore. Um, well, this is where a good figurehead needs to come into play here, right. right? So, like, if all your soothing objects are gone, you need, you know, like your mom or your dad to be like, hey, I know it's bad. It's bad for all of us, and we're going to get through this. And that's not what's going on. So, on top of all soothing objects being gone, <coughs> a lot of confusion, a lot of back and forth. Well, right, and that's, you know, that's an interesting one when we think about, you know, I think presidents of past, because... 
I th- this issue would be an issue no matter what. I think the reaction at the state course, level yeah. and at the city level is where there's a big difference because I could see on both sides of the aisle too. I could have seen an Obama saying, guys, like, I know that this is tough, but we need to like unify and just cool down. This is not the worst thing that's ever happened to people in the history of mankind. Um, you know, stay at home, eat your DoorDash, order shit on Amazon and just quiet down for a while. Um, and I think that there would have been a very, like, I think that, that would have not settled everybody down because tons of people disliked him, but I think people would have respected the, the guidance from his, somebody with authority like Obama. I could have seen George Bush saying that. I could have seen Clinton saying that. I could have seen, you know, not just liberals or conservatives. I could have seen they had that leadership and at least a stick-to-itiveness. They would have had meetings in the background to say, like, what is the messaging on this? Okay, and then we're going we're gonna to stay the course on this. We're going we're gonna to unify behind the fact that politics aside, this thing is bad. We need to stop the spread. We need to rip the bandaid off and we need to move on from this so that we can open up the economy for him. Every other day, he's contradicting mm-hmm. what people are saying in certain States. And he's like, Oh, you know, Cuomo is, he's misleading you guys about, you know, how much, how many respirators he asked for. And then the next time he's like, Oh, I had a great talk with Cuomo and it's great. Everything's <laughs> great there. Or he's like Whitmer, you know, people need to liberate, these states like he or what did he say the other he had like a call to action to like liberate it's like jesus dude you can't be saying shit like that when people are you know already gathering with with guns and shit that that's like the lighting the pack of firecrackers and walking away and seeing what happens and that's where i think we have the bigger issue which is it doesn't change that there is a problem and that the underlying problem might not be something that everybody agrees on the solution to but when you have the tip of the pyramid, the guy who's supposed to unify us all, every day is sort of changing his his perspective on it and telling us to inject disinfectants or like stick lights inside of our bodies or use <laughs> chemical or you know uh, treatments that aren't necessarily proven yet. It's like, what the hell is going on? And I, I think that that's just leading to further frustration and confusion. Um, and fear. And fear, yeah. Yeah, there, this, this thing too of... Um, so like the other figureheads that may be more... Um, decisive that may, um, yeah, like, okay, Como, Whitmer, wh- whoever, the, the ones that have been gaining a lot of traction or getting a lot of coverage or um, I'll say successful, and I don't mean in reducing numbers or something like that, but successful in terms of being consistent with what they've implemented. Um, to have a situation where mom and dad are fighting with one another. This is like a divorce where you're trying to bring your kids into a situation, like a vulnerable population of like, listen to me, I'm right. That person's bad. And then you have a relationship with that person too. And you're like, but mom, mom's, I thought mom was on my team. Like she was good, but dad said that she was bad. So there's all these situations where no soothing objects, no, you know, figureheads being inconsistent and then infighting within figureheads. So, for me, again, uh, I think we've tried sometimes to provide perspective or solutions or something in our talks, but I feel like it's very easy to see the people that are spinning out, like having, I don't know, like tantrums. And I think it's important to maintain a perspective of, huh? I mean, I know for myself, I could easily be one of those people spinning out too. In fact, my initial reaction to things shutting down you know, I think was very much tantrum-like and very 
just not able to understand. Just I don't know, man. I, I just wasn't able to capture what was going on because I was so freaked out by it all. So to really be honest and be able to empathize with the people and recognize that like, ah, man, they're spinning out. They're really spinning out. There's no clear direction. The parents are fighting. They can't soothe. They don't have means for money and things like that. They lost their general sense of purpose. The thing, you know, we talked about during quarantine was like stay home for someone else. I kind of feel like I have a similar sort of take on this. Like try to empathize with the people's scenario. And I think they may empathize with yours as well, even if they're the ones without the soothing objects, because if they don't have, if they can't make themselves feel good and they have no sense of purpose and their parents aren't being good parents and like keeping them posted, maybe they got to rely on like their friends and their peers to kind of just like be cool with them and maybe let them vent that shit and maybe just like listen to them spin out a little bit and try not to like beat them up because I, I I really have a hard time believing that if the people were being or were coming from a place where life existed before and they were feeling okay and they weren't under all this duress that they would have the same sort of reaction. I, I don't think it's like just, you know, like, like you said, I don't think it's shitty people. I don't think it's dumb people or crazy people. I think it's really stressed people. And the reaction is one that really creates a lot of separation. So like even within my family members, it's been kind of similar some of them um yeah having some of these ideas that the protesters do and it's it's difficult because if i just club them over the head with all sorts of statistical stuff i feel like that's defeating the purpose because i'm not able to in that moment connect with where they're at emotionally which is why they're spinning out because no one is giving them any kind of comfort or guidance or anything right yeah, I mean, and I, I think like in an ideal scenario, you wouldn't be affected by it at all, maybe financially. I think that's the biggest, if I, if I boil things down to like the, the thing that I identify with the most in terms of why you would be upset or, or fearful um, beyond, you know, contracting the virus and dying. But I mean, like in terms of the things that people are protesting, the financial aspect of it is scary. I understand why people are worried about that themselves. In an ideal scenario, you just wouldn't be impacted because perhaps you could just work from home. If you were, I guess the second best thing is that you have a support system, right? Like you would hope that people would start to step in and we're seeing that, right? People are people who aren't affected are stepping in and helping family and friends who are unable to work right now. There are workarounds for like restaurants where they're producing uh, you know, takeout meals and p- packaging, I'm doing curbside pickup. So like people are kind of adapting to it in some ways uh, for other ways where they just can't adapt. You know, I think government is trying to subsidize income. They're trying to step in and beef up unemployment things like that. So hmm. again, I get the financial aspect of it. Um, I, I keep coming back to, you made a comment about your initial reaction to the decision to lock things down and what that was like. So I, I, and, I had the same reaction here, right? So San Francisco very early on locked things down. Mm. They declared a state of emergency. And this was like before, I'm trying to remember the chronology because everything blends together now, but I think it was, maybe there was the first death in Washington. And I don't even know that there were any confirmed cases in the Bay Area yet, but they, they understood presumably, you know, the traffic back and forth between mainland China, the huge population mm. of people who could, who travel throughout the country and the world here. Um, and they made the decision to take preventative steps there at the time. I was, I remember I was caught in traffic because there was sort of a mass exodus from the city that day. And I was like, okay, this feels a little bit like 
a little early, a little bit too much too soon. In hindsight, that's probably all that prevented this from being Seattle too, right? Um, mm. And and with that hindsight, looking back, it's like, wow, they really, you know, they had, I'm assuming, much more data than I did. There were a lot smarter people spending a lot more time thinking through this, thinking through the cost versus the benefit, and making a decision that is, was a tough one to make, but I think really paid off. And it's like, that's the kind of thing where I'm not one that's going to say, just blindly obey what the government says. But in, in cases like this where I don't think, I think everyone loses, right? Like by shutting things down, everyone's donors, these guys, I mean, the rich are suffering, the poor are suffering, everybody's suffering. When the economy is not producing, that's bad for everyone. The only right. thing that we're trying to prevent is the spread of this this disease. And um, to that end, it's like, I don't, I don't think that there's a secretive motive here. Um, and in, in this case, I think that understanding the perspective of, you know, your friends and peers and family, understanding what they're struggling with and offering to help in any way you can is the direction that we should lean on, not let's gather up and protest it. Cause I, I also just in this case, don't think protesting is an effective tool uh we've not in the way that it's happening for right. sure i mean we've talked we've talked about yeah. like is this protest worthy and also like how do americans protest versus how do maybe other uh countries around the world sort of protest and what is it usually about i think here things are a lot more hot button here and a lot more emotional uh maybe than like labor protests and things like that um, overseas but um yeah i just i again i, I think that this is about understanding that there's a decision we're, we're doing the things that we're doing and try to stick to the guidance as much as you can, obey the mandates as much as you can. If anybody needs help, let's have an open conversation about that. And I think people are willing to help. That's, that's the thing. You know, I, I, we see that all over the place, people stepping in to try to help. And, um, and likewise, you know, what is, a state, we're not going to get into the politics of it, but what, what sort of a state versus a federal issue. I think that this is a great case where we're seeing where lines need to necessarily be drawn and how we shouldn't react to everything at a macro level. I mean, I do wish that at a federal level, Trump would sort of unify the message, but these are, these are like very local issues, right? If there's an outbreak somewhere, we can't make a decision to like shut everything down forever at the federal level because there's a hot spot right. in some random spot in the middle of the country. However, um, we should unify behind the message and say, you know, if you guys locally think that there's an issue here and we need to react that way, you continue to react that way. We're going to start to loosen restrictions elsewhere, but um, that message could be made very clear and, and I think could back people down from the ledge if they didn't think that this was just an indefinite lockdown. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I feel, um, I don't know, man. It's a complicated thing, obviously, that I feel like uh, like now just kind of thinking through it and talking through it with you, it feels kind of exhausted, exhausting because I played like uh, a lot of internal I talk ping so pong. Much. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Because I talk so much. Really. No, no, no. Just like uh, like an internal ping pong with all of this, you know, like right. an internal ping pong that affects like currently, obviously, because we're all in it, every facet of, you know, existence right now or whatever. And it's like being pressed up against all sides and everyone is freaked out and panicked and there are people that are trying to help places and there are other people that feel like they're not getting the help and then i don't know man it's been like a really tricky tricky thing i think the 
the for me the the I guess the thing I have to consider and keep thinking about is like even at the top right now people are having big reactions to it so if they can't be the ones to see it through and I can't have my soothing object if that day I have enough in me maybe I can give it to somebody else like maybe I could be I can listen for a minute um maybe I'll be the one that's bitching that day maybe you'll be the one that has to listen to a bit I've noticed like even um like between you and I uh sometimes i'm like snippy and it has nothing to do with you (laughs) it'll just be like i don't know it got to me that day man something got to me that day Um, but all that it's like the reaction was just snippiness with you because i don't know the rest of my shit is okay but yeah i I think um if there's ever to be like a heal the world moment (laughs) or like unify the world moment uh maybe this this could be the one here so that people can we can all get on like the same agenda to recognize that we're all having to make a lot of compromise and consequence and we got to be cool to kind of hold it together. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, once we, again, once the dust settles, if we walk away from this and it was a unifying moment because we've all had to live through this to some extent. I mean, again, it's, it's varying levels of restriction in certain locales, but more or less, I mean, it, it's like that power outage back in like 2004 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like everyone remembers that, and we were like unified, sure. sort of in a stupid way. But like that was one thing that we could all be like, "Oh yeah, I remember that, and I lived through that." It, it wasn't something that there was a underlying political motivation or anything that could be argued. But I think in that way, I question whether we'll look back on this and be like, "Okay, you know, we all." need to have a conversation about being better prepared and how we react to things like this and what the right level of restriction is, or if it will have just sent people into their internet, social media echo chambers to just even build up more emotion about um, these hot button topics that we're going to come out of it and be even more polarized than, than we were before. That's what I worry about, especially in an election year. I don't know if this is going to further oh, rile people up, Um, or if it's going to kind of cool things down and let people understand that like, you know, if nothing else, it's like, take a good hard look at your, your leadership, local, you know, city, state, uh, federal. uh, I suspect there would be a lot more participation than there has been just because of that. It has been in a situation where local leadership has been, um, under the spotlight, let's say more than it ever has. Right. More than just like, Hey, are these, who's going to pave the goddamn roads versus like, who's going to react to an epidemic (laughs) the right way. Yeah. (sighs) I don't know, but we're going to find out (laughs) together one way or another. Right. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where we're at with time. We're about there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's tough, tough to take a lesson away from this one. I would say again, easy for us to say one way or the other. I just, I think in this case, understand that there are tough decisions that have to be made. Understand that the people who are making them, I don't, I truly, for once in my life, feel like the decisions are being made outside of maybe our president for the most genuine reasons possible. They're trying to to minimize death and the spread of this thing. try to understand that try to understand that while it's tough and you know maybe you want to go on your boat maybe you can't even work that just try to take a step back and understand that this is perhaps a necessary evil and and to to have an honest conversation with friends and family like if you need help 
go to them, you know, have that conversation. It's tough. Nobody sure. wants to have to do that. But right. um, I think everybody in a position to help wants to help. Um, sure. And so let's just all calm down for a little while. Let's let's try to taper things off. And then it's not going to be a switch that flips. I mean, like I'm not an epidemiologist or anything, but I, I'm pretty confident to say that we're not going to just come into August if things flatten out and say, hey, go back to work. Don't wear right. a mask. This is going to be something that I think we have to live with uh, a new reality to some extent for years to come. I mean, it, it might just be the norm now that this is a new thing that flares up. You know, it's going to have a season. Maybe you got to wear masks a little bit more often. You got to like maybe handshakes are not as uh, crucial as you thought they were. And, right. uh, you know, that, that, that sucks. But hey, live and learn and, and adapt. And I think we all just need to to realize that. Yeah. And I want to add to that. I agree with everything you said. And I want to add one piece. If you're on the side of you and I, I feel like I am trying to remind myself and I will, I, I, I've, I've committed to it regardless of how good I am at implementing it all the time. Um, I'm trying to be open to hearing every part of it because I know that the people that are having a hard time, it's just, it's just how the hard time is manifesting itself within them. Not necessarily that they like want to attack me or my beliefs or something like that. So I'm trying to be open to that. And I think maybe other people should be too, in my opinion. And I'm not, I think everyone that knows me knows I'm not like optimistic, nice guy. <laughs> I, but I feel like I do have empathy. Um, so yeah, I think uh, let's all be cool even to the ones who are really kind of spinning out because you know in my case it's it's like there's a lot of people that I'm close with that are spinning out and it's it's really easy to get into a like an intellectual battle about it um, but the reality is it's not that they don't know it's just that they're scared and kind of spinning out so maybe if you're more stable at that moment in time and you happen to be encountering someone that's kind of spinning out a little bit um, panicking whatever you want to call it doesn't want to be compliant um, maybe just kind of, you know, let them, let them, just let them lean on you for a bit. Okay. Maybe it'll feel like they're throwing jabs, but just maybe that's the best that they can come up with at that time and just know that they'll, they'll come out of it as soon as things begin to improve for them. So just have more empathy in general. Mm. Good advice. Um, cool. Well, yeah, I should have done this at the top of it, but I just wanted to <laughs> say, uh, yeah, as always. Uh, oh yeah. If everybody want, if, if anybody wants to reach out, ask question, uh, circle back to a topic we talked about. If we missed something or if something upset you, us. yeah, if we were wrong, whatever. So uh, on Twitter, or Instagram, if you want to hit us up at at inhumanpod, you could do that. Otherwise, email at uh, or inhumanpod at gmail .com is our email address. And thanks to seems like some people are starting to actually find this now. That's great. So thanks for listening if you make it to the end here's your easter egg this is how to contact us <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah we'll we'll see you next week all right take care